Welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston and Plains United Methodist Church of Plains, Pennsylvania. Our scripture readings for later in the service will be, so that you can look them up now if you want to, Romans 14, verses 1 through 12, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I am Reverend Tenny Rupnick, and my email address is tenhutrup at gmail.com. That's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have and let me know if they're private in nature or if it's okay to share them on next week's podcast so that your church family can be praying for you. Our prayer requests for our charge this week are for Mrs. Tippins, Wilbur Dodder, Rebecca, who's fighting cancer, little Nate Gray, who is fighting cancer, for Sue and Ty Williams, for folks in our church family who are privately dealing with health challenges, all our healthcare workers and first responders, and all our governmental and civic leaders. The 15th Sunday after Pentecost, September 13th, 2020. Our first hymn this morning is number 405 in the hymnal and is entitled, Seek Ye First. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. Our gathering meditation for this morning is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Our call to worship is taken this morning from Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Our God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love toward his children. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. Please join us in our prayer for invocation. Lord, we have been invited into your presence today. We open our hearts and minds to the gift of love and forgiveness that you offer. As your children, we know you teach us to forgive. We know that your message of love and forgiveness has traveled with us from the past and will move forward with us toward a more loving future. Knit our hearts together today, Lord, that we may be the community you would have us to be. 
And all God's children say, Amen. Our next hymn this morning is entitled, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, and is number 89 in the hymnal. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround thee, earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee, center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea. Chanting bird and flowing fountain, call us to rejoice in thee. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. Thou our Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other, lift us to the joy divine. Join together with me now in our confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe and believe what we say. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. At this point in our podcast, we come to our children's message. Do you like sports? What do you think is the most popular sport in the world? Football or baseball? Maybe basketball? Well, most articles that I have read seem to agree that soccer is actually the most popular sport in the world. Now I'm sure you know, as with any sport, that if you are playing or watching soccer, it's very important to know and follow the rules. How many know what a yellow card in soccer means? In a soccer game, the referee holds up a yellow card to warn a player for a dangerous or unsportsmanlike play. For example, if a player tries to kick the ball out of the goalie's hands, that's dangerous. 
the goalie could be hurt. So the referee shows the player a yellow card as a warning not to do it again. If that player makes another dangerous play, the referee shows the player the yellow card again, but then the referee would show the player another card as well, a red card. Do you know what that red card means? The player is out of the game. That is pretty rough punishment, isn't it? You get one warning and then you're out. In baseball, the batter gets three strikes before he's out. In basketball, a player gets five or six fouls before he is out. Some might say the sport of soccer is less forgiving. How many times do you think a person should be forgiven for doing something wrong? Once? Twice? Three times? If you were to ask Jesus how many times you should forgive someone, what do you think he would say? Well, we don't have to guess because the Bible gives us an answer. In the Bible, it says, one day Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Should I forgive him seven times? I imagine that Peter thought he was being pretty generous to forgive someone seven times. I don't know about you, but I think I agree with Peter. If someone hurt me or someone that I love two, three, four times, it'd be hard to forgive. To forgive someone seven times is pretty generous. Guess what? Jesus didn't think it was enough times. Not even close. Jesus answered Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Wow. 70 times seven. For those of you who are doing multiplication, that's 490 times that that comes out to. I think that before I got to 490, I would lose count. And you know what? I think that is probably what Jesus was trying to get Peter to understand and wants us to understand too. We shouldn't worry about keeping count of how many times we have forgiven someone. We should just keep on forgiving. Isn't that what God does? He doesn't keep count of how many times he has forgiven us. God just keeps on forgiving. Let's pray. Dearest God, we are thankful that you love us and forgive us without keeping count. Help us to love and forgive others as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Forgiving God, let us come to this word open to you. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions, confound our expectations, and penetrate our hearts with your word. We know that you can, we pray that you will, and we wait with great anticipation for your movement in our spirits. And all God's children say, Amen. Our epistle reading this morning is from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. In this passage, Paul is talking to the believers at Rome who are asking a lot of questions about what eat to eat as a believer in Christ or what not to eat as a believer, about keeping the Sabbath or not keeping the Sabbath. So he's answering these questions in the beginning and then gets on the topic of forgiveness. 
Welcome those who are weak in the faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God, while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or your sister? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. Our gospel reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When that king began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him and he could not pay. His Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the entire debt. But that same slave, as he went out, he came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. He went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
The message for this morning is entitled, Breaking Free. So where are we and what are we doing in this passage? Well, do you remember the transfiguration of Jesus? That moment in his life in which he went up onto a high mountain with Peter, James, and John, and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Well, we're after that. After that, Jesus leads those disciples, Peter, James, and John, down that high mountain. And he joins up with the rest of the disciples and does some more ministry. Jesus heals a boy who was demon-possessed. He warns again that he, Jesus, will be put to death. He has a question and answer period about the temple tax, with none other than the officials in charge of collecting it. And then, a little bit after that, the disciples start coming to Jesus with something of a question and answer period of their own. And we eventually come to our passage for this morning, in which Peter comes to Jesus and basically says, Hey, teach, how much should we forgive other believers? Well, actually, he said something more to the effect of, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And to that, Jesus answered, depending on the translation, not seven times, but I tell you 77 times or 70 times seven times. And then Jesus goes into a parable or a teaching story to better make his point. Jesus went on to say to Peter, there was a servant who owed his king 10,000 talents. Now, likely Peter's jaw dropped to hear that figure, 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents was, after all, the equivalent of 25 lifetimes of labor back in their day. Impossible, incredible, ridiculous. What servant could ever run up that kind of debt, much less pay it off? To give us an idea of the amount, taxation for the Roman Empire for all of Israel only ran 600 talents a year in comparison. 10,000 talents was an unimaginable number for Peter. And Jesus went on. And the king ordered the servant to be sold, but not just the servant, also his wife and children and all the possessions he had to pay the debt. Wow, Peter thought. This king is tough, selling not only the servant, but his whole family. But this still wouldn't cover the debt. And Jesus continued with the parable. The servant fell on his knees and pleaded with the king, Be patient with me. I will pay back everything I owe. And listening to Jesus, Peter might have thought something like, What a liar that servant was. How could the servant pay back 25 lifetimes of labor? Impossible. And Peter would have likely been right. After all, could any one of us pay back that kind of debt? But the servant's master took pity on him, Jesus continued, and completely canceled the debt and let the servant go free. And to this, Peter may have started to relax a little, thinking the parable was over, surprised by it, but satisfied with it, as he considered Jesus's teaching tale done. But the parable was not over. Jesus wasn't done. The teaching tale wasn't finished because then Jesus told Peter 
how that debt-forgiven servant in the story left the presence of his king, left the occasion of that great grace which was freely given to him, and how that same slave went on and seized a man he came across, a fellow slave who owed him some money, how he seized that other man by the throat of all things and said to that fellow debtor, pay now, as he literally and metaphorically choked the life from him as he held him by the throat. Think about it. And Jesus went on to tell of how the king found out about this intense turn of events and how the king then summoned the first slave the one whose debt he had forgiven to him. And he called him a wicked man and reinstated all that he owed, the whole 10,000 talents, and how the king then handed him over to be tortured until he paid his debt in full. And Jesus concluded for Peter. Jesus finished by saying to Peter and whoever else by that point was listening, And so my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Unless you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart, from the soul. Forgiveness from the spirit, not merely from the lips, not merely from the head, not merely out of churchly obligation, but instead a forgiveness that would genuinely flow out and forth, a forgiveness that authentically pours from deep within our very being. Sometimes these sermons are reassuring, uplifting, easy. Today's, not so much. For today we come to the heart, the soul, the spirit of the matter. Because today we focus on our toughest challenge as Christians, the challenge to forgive. A challenge we need to talk about from time to time and to take very seriously. After all, we are, as followers of Jesus Christ, commanded to forgive. I know, I know, it's easier said than done. Forgiveness is something we all struggle with because let's face it, forgiveness isn't easy especially when and since some of the things we have experienced are truly terrible. Things that hurt so badly, that cut you so deeply, that the wounds refuse to heal but stay, stay raw, open, bleeding. Things that may have traumatized us or hurt us so very badly that perhaps just hearing the word forgiveness unleashes a torrent of awful feelings and horrible memories. Those sorts of things are obviously really, really hard to forgive. I do know, I know it. I deal with some of those of my own. But let's set aside that hurt or pain for just a moment as we look back to the scripture. Now, as I am sure you have already surmised because you are intelligent folks and because You may have read and studied and heard preached this passage before. As you already likely have figured out, God is in the parable and you and I are in the parable and our enemies are in the parable as well. Yeah. This parable is obviously about a king of some region and about his servants or slaves and about great debts forgiven and or retained. But it is also about a God in his heaven and about his servants or disciples here on earth and about great debts forgiven and or retained. 
Because isn't this parable Jesus shared with Peter speaking of us, after all? I mean, isn't Jesus clearly talking to Peter about Peter? And to the others listening back then about themselves and to you and me about you and me who are reading it and hearing it now and today about ourselves as well. Out of all the parables we're exposed to through the four books of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is one of the ones that is a bit more direct in its meaning and far more clear. The king represents God. God Almighty did, after all, make it possible for all of our debt, all our mistakes and faults and all our evil deeds and sins, those of more than 25 lifetimes of indebtedness, to be finally and fully forgiven. God made it possible that all this is clearly and cleanly forgiven out of God's own great and full grace, through God's love and provision, through his own son's death, through his own death on the cross, so that we can walk away free, freely wander away from the throne of grace, unchained, unshackled, and unafraid. No longer in bondage by what we should owe because God forgave and forgives it all. And then, after all that, don't we do exactly the same thing as the ungrateful servant did? Don't we also walk away from that event of great grace, from that scene of unbelievable forgiveness as we are marching forward and moving on and all that unbelievable freedom? And don't we, in our own ways, don't we just go straight to grabbing others by the throat and demanding payment from them as we choke the life out of them and as we absolutely refuse to likewise extend grace, give mercy, and forgive? Be honest here to yourselves at the very least, don't we? I know, it may be all too easy to say, hey, listen, pastor, I've never walked up to someone on the street and choked them because I've not forgiven them. I may have held bitterness in my heart or chosen not to be around them anymore because I don't wanna be hurt again, but I never go around, quote unquote, choking the life out of anyone. I mean, isn't your example this accusation you're making just a bit extreme? And to that I say gently and lovingly that I am sorry, but that I disagree and that you are wrong. I am going to insist out of care for you and love for you that my example and accusation fits perfectly and is not in fact too extreme. As a matter of fact, I'm going to argue that it's right on target and isn't my example at all, but is in fact none other than the scripture's example and Jesus's whole point. Because the thing we oftentimes may not realize, pay attention here. The thing we oftentimes may not realize and the thing we sometimes forget to recall and the thing we all too frequently ignore is this, the unforgiveness we hang on to that we insist upon and refuse to let go of, well, that unforgiveness chokes the life out of us. Let me say that again. The unforgiveness we hang on to chokes the life out of us. It strangles us. It keeps us from the best kind of life and living and being and breathing. The kept rage, the reserved bitterness, the retained anger, the saved and sealed resentment, 
all that all of that does ultimately is to choke the life out of us. It does very little to nothing after all to hurt the one who hurt us. It doesn't teach them a lesson in the long run. It doesn't remind them of their place or make them change their ways. We can't force them to feel our pain and suffer as we have and are as much as we may at times want to. It does us no good. Unforgiveness does us no good. It only does us harm. And the harm it does is not to the one who wronged us, but only to ourselves. We know this to be true, right? Because the matter of the fact is that most of the time, if not all of the time, the offender has mostly forgotten about their offense. They have forgiven or at least excused or justified themselves. They have moved on. And as much as it may grind at our hearts and and hurt us to admit it, more often or not, they have forgotten what happened. They are unaware of our shame and our pain. They are not concerned with what we are still going through. They are living free of all of that. Did you get that? The offender, the one who caused the harm, is living freely while we're the ones in the chokehold of bitterness, struggling for the next life-giving breath. In our bitterness and unforgiveness, we are the ones choking and struggling to breathe. And the most tragic thing is we're doing it to ourselves. We're doing it to ourselves. Let's loosen the grip of our bitterness. Let's release our grasp of unforgiveness on our own throats. Let's let go completely of our rancor and grudge holding of our grievances and resentment of our displeasure and our rage. Let us let go of the chokehold we're keeping on our own lives by forgiving as we have been forgiven, by utterly and fully breaking free. You're not excusing them. You're releasing yourself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is entitled, Forgive Our Sins as We Forgive, and is number 390 in our hymnal. This one I'll be reading. I'm not sure that I even know the tune. Number 390. Forgive our sins as we forgive. You taught us, Lord, to pray. But you alone can grant us peace and grace to live the words we say. How can your pardon reach and bless the unforgiving heart that broods on wrongs and will not let old bitterness depart? In blazing light, your cross reveals the truth we dimly knew. What trivial debts are owed to us? How great our debt to you. Lord, cleanse the depths within our souls and bid resentment cease. Then, bound to all in bonds of love, our lives will spread your peace. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time, our talents, and our treasures. As God gave generously to us, so we give back unto our God. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as our almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give up of ourselves for the sake of others. Let us pray. 
patient Lord. You amaze us each day with your willingness to forgive our many sins. You display merciful acts and answer our prayers in profound ways. Help us to be stewards of your mercy and grace as these monetary gifts are transformed into active ministries. Multiply the span of these ministries to reach people in new ways. We pray in the name of the one who teaches true forgiveness, Jesus Christ, and all God's children say, Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ, let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer, O Lord, hear our prayer, when we call, answer us. O Lord, hear our prayer, O Lord, hear our prayer, come and listen to Merciful God, full of grace, hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. Creator God, we are a community of those who have been forgiven. In response to that, we strive to be a community that forgives. We realize that we are human and often fail. We often treat others well only if there is something in it for us. We apologize, but only sometimes if we see no other alternative. We justify our grudges when others have hurt us, but invalidate the hurt we've caused them. We remember offenses that we should have long ago forgotten. We are far too comfortable with brokenness when we should be reaching out with healing. Above all, we ask you and expect you to forgive us when we find it hard to do the same for others. Grant us your pardon, O Father, and equip us to share your graciousness with others. O Lord of mercy, we ask for the honesty to accept responsibility for our errors. And we ask for the insight to understand the reasons for our failures so that we may not repeat them. Give us the courage, Lord, to admit where we fall short, to seek your forgiveness for our offenses, to make things right when possible, and to extend the same forgiveness to others that you extend to us. May we have the grace to submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, gracious Father, for the limitations we have placed on our graciousness towards others. For all our sins, O Lord, forgive us and help us to do the same. We pray all these things in the name of the forgiving one, Jesus, our Christ, and continue to pray as he taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn for this morning is sent forth by God's blessing. Sometimes I sing it, but today I'm going to read it. I really want you to listen to the lyrics. Sent forth by God's blessing, our true faith confessing, the people of God from this dwelling, whatever place we're in at this time, take leave. The service is ended. Oh, now be extended the fruits of our worship and all who believe. The seed of the teaching, receptive souls reaching, shall blossom in action for God and for all. God's grace did invite us and love shall unite us to work for God's kingdom and answer the call. With praise and thanksgiving to God ever living, the tasks of our everyday life we will face, our faith ever sharing, in love ever caring, embracing God's children of each tribe and race. With your grace, you freed us. With your light, now lead us. Unite us as one in this life that we share. Then may all the living with praise and thanksgiving give honor to Christ and that name which we bear. Before we take our leave now of one another, may we recite the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me show love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born into eternal life. Amen. Let us go forth now loving and serving the Lord and rejoicing in the power of God's spirit. And may God's blessing be upon us and remain with us always. And all God's children say, amen. Shalom to you now. Shalom, my friends. May God's full mercies bless you, my friends, in all your living and through your loving. Christ be your shalom. Christ be your shalom.